Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. So, uh, so last week, we're in a series uh, that deals with identity. And um, last week, we kind of set the stage for that. We kind of gave some basics of identity. Um, because I think that, that people oftentimes... Um, can't figure out what they're created to do because they don't know who they are. Um, I think that a lot of times we feel like chameleons or or, or actors. Uh, I never will forget when we had my son, uh, we had a baby in the hospital, which is the best place to have one, by the way. Um, we got, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I got a mom shouting me down over there. Yeah, praise God, that's a place to have a baby. I mean, if you want to have it at home, I'm, you know, whatever. But we had ours in the hospital. And um, he comes out and he's, he's all swaddled up. Um, and then, then he, he pooped. And um, it was in that moment that we figured out what was not covered in childbirthing class. Because we went to the classes. And, it, and, and all parents know what I'm talking about. Is it meconium poop? It's tar baby poop is what it is. It, 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 it doesn't come off. And so we did what any good parent would do. I hit that little red button. And this like 900-year-old nurse came in. And she's like, yes, can I help you? Something wrong with the baby? And I went, we don't know how to change a diaper. And I kid you not, she goes, <sighs> And when she left, I looked at my wife and I'm like, they're never letting us leave with him. Like, and, and it was in that moment I figured out I was not equipped to be a parent. And I spent 25 years of my life faking it to this point. Because the truth be known, I still, in a lot of ways, don't feel equipped. Um, have you ever sat at tables with people? Uh, maybe they were important. Maybe they were really rich. I never will forget the first time I ever sat down at a table full of multimillionaires. And in case you're wondering, I'm not. I know what you were thinking, that I flew in in a private helicopter. I had an entourage. Of, no, it didn't happen that way. I drove my Ford. Yes, domestic. I didn't even spring for the foreign stuff, right? Like, so uh, I never will forget the first time I sat down at a table full of millionaires. Um, I was sitting there thinking, what do we have in common? And it was in that moment that I realized this, that I am a son of the living God. When all of their treasure... So here's the thing. This isn't a political statement, but if you had a billion dollars, and I'm not opposed to that. If you, if you do have a billion, if you don't mind tithing just before you leave, we'd be great with it. But if you had a billion dollars four years ago and you maintained it to today, it would be lit, worth about 30 to 40% less due to inflation. Because here's the thing. Wealth of this world will not give you identity. So the question is, I know people that build their identity on their job. A lot of times when I go, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, the first thing people leave off with is what they do. Like, like well, I'm a CEO or I'm a, I'm a fill in the blank, right? I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse. But here's the thing. Sometime you're going to retire. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you're 100 years old, I don't want, you can't operate a microwave. I don't want you like doing brain surgery, right? Like it doesn't last forever. So here's the thing. Like at some point, if, if your identity is built on what you do and not who you are, your identity dies. Well, I know, I know wives who go, you know what, my job is to be a mom. Well, I've got news for you. Your kids are leaving. 
if you do it right, they leave. Now, if you do it really well, they come back from time to time. And they bring these little things with them that you're going to adore. But they leave. You're never going to stop being a mom, but you're going to stop being a mommy. And if your identity is wrapped up in what you do rather than who you are, when your kids leave, your identity walks out the door with it. What if you get your identity in your spouse and you go, well, I'm a husband or I'm a wife. Well, here's the problem. What if your spouse dies? Your identity will die with them. I know pastors that really wrestle with this because their identity is rolled up in being a pastor. Now, I love being a pastor. Like I get to talk about Jesus for a living. But here's the reality. That's not my identity. My identity is, man, I am a son of God. And I wonder, have you ever had anybody make you feel some kind of way? Like, like you gain your identity by what people say about you? Um, so I went and, and we bought all these, these inflatables and I went to, to Harbor Freight because that's where I go to buy my tools. And all the tool guys in here judge me right now, but that's okay, the Lord will forgive you. Um, and I bought this, this like mallet hammer to drive the stakes in the ground with. And it's, it, dude, it's dope. It's fluorescent orange. And it's, it's one piece so like the, the head won't fly. Because literally I got ready to get it, one that has like the head made on a wooden handle. My wife goes, hey, this, my wife goes, hey, this is from Harbor Freight. That's liable to fly off. <laughs> Fair enough. Probably not in week one, but by week 12, we're killing somebody with that hammer. It's going to go... So we bought a one piece. And so, so I'm out there and I'm hammering these stakes in the ground and somebody walked by me and they're like, man, that's a cool hammer. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. I got a Harbor Freight. You can get one too, six bucks. The next person walked by and they're like, that is a cool hammer. And I'm like, I know, right? Six bucks, you can have one. The third person walked by and they're like, that's a cool hammer. And I'm like, I know, right? It's dope. Everybody should have a hammer. If you don't have a hammer like this, you're basically a loser. Here's the reality. It dawned on me. If we let our identity raise to the praise, it has to fall with the criticism. If you have your identity built on what everybody else thinks about you, you will, you will get more when people are bragging on you, but you will be crushed when they criticize you. And I wonder how many people are allowed to make themselves feel less than they are because they don't know who and what they are. And if you don't know who you are and you don't know whose you are, then how are you ever going to figure out what you're called and created to do? So you're going to spend an entire life wandering around with no direction, no purpose. And you're going to stumble through life and you're going to get on your deathbed and you're going to go, what in the world did I accomplish? We're going to stop that today. Fair enough. So Scripture says this in John 15, 5. It says this, I am the vine... And you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. God said this. He said, look, at your fundamental understanding of who you are, you've got to let me assign your identity. You've got to stay connected to me so that you can figure out who and what you are. Because if you stay with me, then what I'm going to do is, is, is your life is a byproduct of that is going to bear much fruit. So on your deathbed, you're going to be able to sit back and go, hey, what I accomplished was this, 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 and this. So I would look at our whole team that's serving today, and I would say, hey, we had somebody give their life to, to, to Jesus in the first service. Like here in-house, and then we, we were able to talk to them, connect them with somebody to, 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 to guide them on their new relationship with Jesus. Here's the thing. I didn't do that. 
The team did that. So on my deathbed, what I plan on counting is not all the times I screwed up. Pass. I'm going to focus on the fruit. God, thank you for using me to change people's lives. God, thank you for allowing me to speak into people's lives. God, thank you that, that the reason I breathed oxygen was so that I could bring people out of hell into the marvelous life. God, but in order for me to live a life of purpose, I have to stay connected to you. Because identity assigned by anything other than God is sinking sand. Jesus said, you know what? You should build a house on a rock that doesn't move. If you build your house on anything else, man, it's going to sink. Matter of fact, Job 33 says this. It's weird that we're quote, quoting out of Job. Job is the depressing book. Next to Revelation, it is the most avoided book in the Bible. Can I just get a witness from somebody? Because if you don't know, this is like the story of calamity. And then at the end, it's like, oh yeah, you got a bunch of it back. And you're like, yeah, well, after that, I need it back. Like I'm emotionally spent just listening to your story. It says this, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty, uh, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Do you get up every day and go, you know what? I'm created for God and sustained by God. And if God creates and sustains you, doesn't it stand to reason that you're here on purpose for a purpose? I love re I love retired people because you just went into full time ministry. No, I'm serious. You didn't retire to watch Price is Right. It's not that great anymore. Drew Carey is not Bob Barker. I'm just saying. Like, I remember when I was home from sick from school watching The Price is Right. And um, what was the other one? Wheel of Fortune. I always wanted to spin that wheel. Here's the thing. God didn't let you retire so you could watch a spinning wheel or a bad Bob Barker. Because your identity is not in retirement, it's in serving the Lord. And the one thing that working people say is, I'd serve at church more if I had the time. If you retired, all you got is time. It's like a college student. All you got, like, you know what I'm saying? So God said this, He said, He said, Man, I created you, but sin separated us. And what I want to do is I want to adopt you back. Now I love, I love babies. Um, I love I love, so Leslie and, and her husband are outside uh, fixing, uh, cooking the hot dogs and stuff, but she is pregnant. And, and I love pregnant women because they glow. They get that, yeah, it'll leave. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about conceiving a child. You're stuck with it. No, 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 hear me out. Like, like when a husband and wife create a child, you don't have any control over what it is. You, do, you can't control is it a boy or a girl. Not if you conceive naturally. You can't control its personality. How many of you guys had a great first child? Okay. How many of y'all wish you to stop then? Don't raise your hand. My point is, is that generally whatever the first kid is, the second kid is the opposite. So there are four kids in my family. Um, Wendy's probably the best. So my parents had Wendy, and it's like she made straight A's, she was athletic, she was all this stuff, and then my parents had me. They stopped with me. My parents have literally said this, if we had you first, you'd be an only kid. <laughs> I had to lean into identity at a young age. <laughs> but while I love biological kids, 
there's a special place in my heart for adoption. Here's why. Whatever you have, you're stuck with. There are no returns. And we've thought, we've all as parents thought about, hey, we'll give this one back, God, right? Like, and we don't want it to die. Just can you just suck it back up? Like, just take it to heaven, right? But in the adoption process, you walk in, and I don't, I don't know the adoption process, right? But 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 let's say you went into, into a, a facility where there are multiple children, or, or maybe you looked at pictures. And, and from what I understand that in the adoption process, you can pick your child. So you're stuck with the one you had, but you get to pick the one you adopt. Which one should really be made to feel not more or less special, but how special is that adopted child? Now here's the thing they say, I have no reference for this, that it costs about as much money to have a child as it does to adopt. If not, adoption may even be a little bit more. How crazy is it that God loved you so much that He killed His own son to adopt you? Like legitimately He said, I want you in my family so much that I will let my biologic child come and die. I'll let him be tortured so that I can give you identity and make you part of my family. Now when I was raising my son, uh, I always told him, uh, we volunteer as first responders, and on, on the bottom of your jacket uh, is your last name. So here's the funny thing, I'm A. Bellamy. You're just one of them, right? His is B. Bellamy. And I told him, hey man, before you leave, always remember your name. Now, what I didn't tell him is my family tree has some spots we had to white out, right? Like, there's some people that we just... Do you have family members that when people go, hey, are you related to them? You're like, maybe somewhere. I thought they were first cousins. Yeah, that's probably true, right? Like, like you try to like, we're not connected, but that you are. So, so here's my thing is, is I would tell him, I'm like, hey, remember who you are. Because what I wanted to create in him was a sense of identity of going, hey, no matter who you're around or what the circumstances, you have a way that you were raised to be, be it. And I wonder this, when God said this, He said, I want to adopt you into my family so that you can become my child. John 1.12 says this, but to all who did receive Him, who believe in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. How easy is your adoption? You just got to believe that Jesus died and that you're adopted. Now here's the thing. Is this a salvation message? Yeah, every week's a salvation message. But here's the thing. Maybe you've been saved 400 years, but you don't know who you are. Your first part of your thumbprint of identity is going, hey, I am adopted, chosen, picked out of the litter by God. You're special by default. Anybody ever had clout, but not your own? Like borrowed clout. Like you knew somebody who had a little clout, and you th like, like if I ever get pulled over in a specific, we've got a cop that goes here. I'm dropping that name like, hey, you know Captain, you know Captain, I'm going to change the name to protect the innocent. You know Captain Smith? Oh yeah, he's a, we ate hot dog yesterday. Like I, me and Captain Smith been hanging. You know Captain Smith, your boss, Captain Smith. Yeah, I was just talking. Oh, you want my license? I'll give you my license. But remember this, Captain Smith will fire you if you write his preacher a ticket. <laughs> In Jesus' name. 
You ever done it though? Hey, hey, have you ever have you ever tried to try to get? And I, maybe it's not a cop, but we do it in all kinds of ways, right? Like, like um, I had a cop one time. I was speeding coming home from Nashville, and I was behind another truck, and we were rolling. I mean, like, you know what I'm talking about? Um, and all of a sudden, this trooper pulls out. I looked at Tracy. I said, "Oh crap, I got a ticket." So I start moving lanes. I don't know why we think we can like wasn't me because I'm in this lane now, right? It's like pretty obvious. And he, he ran up behind me, and then I think he saw our fire tag, so he ran around me and pulled the car in front of me. And I was like, that $40 plate paid off. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I can keep it. So my point is this, but when was the last time you let your identity in being a son of God give you clout? Being a daughter of God give you clout in your own mind. Why do we only hold ourselves to our failures and not to the clout that God gives us by heirs and co-heirs with Christ? Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians says this. What we want to do is we want to base all of our worthiness on what we do. So I've got, I've got to earn God's love. So if I'm good, God will love me. If I perform, God will love me. In other words, it's the equivalent of going, you know what, if I hit enough uh, base hits in, in Little League, my dad will love me. If I behave well enough, my mom will love me. Well, love isn't based, especially God's love, is not based on your performance. It's based on His grace and mercy. It's not based on how you live. It's based on the fact that He lived, died, and rose from the grave for your sins so that you could be adopted into the family. Scripture says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Here's the crazy thing. Everything you do is old. Go onto a car lot. Please don't do this right now. Buy a brand new car. Now it's old. The minute you bought it, it's old. Go get, go buy a new shirt. Put it on, wear it once. Guess what it is now? Now it's an old shirt. Can I be honest with you? Um, really, the day you're born should be your first birthday. Why do we wait a year to celebrate? Right? Like, anyway, that has nothing to do with this. But everything gets older. God said this. He said, the minute you fail, it's old. Why are you keeping up with old things when I'm trying to make old things new things? You're keeping up with your behavior and I'm, I'm, it's a new you every time. It's like this. Have you ever taken your kid out to eat when they were little? Like a toddler? Yeah. Yeah. Some dad just went, mm, that's the closest you ever came to divorce. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and God help you if you went out with somebody like you you're, you're really care about their opinion of you because that's going to be when your kid shows their tail the most. Any, any, anybody ever, any, ever dad had to, had to pick their kid up to take him to the bathroom to, to pray for him? Because I believe in the laying on of hands. And so what I would do is I'd be like, Dear Jesus, please help this little bottom to understand that its head in the name of Jesus needs to act. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm not saying anything because I'm on... But I'm just saying. There's this strange cord that God puts between your buttocks and your brain. And when they're, when they're impacted, they impact each other. Anybody's parents ever spanked them and then they told you, then they told you not to cry? 
Well, if you didn't beat me, I wouldn't cry. I was perfectly content to misbehave, but no, you had to. My dad would do it. He'd be like, don't you dare cry. And I'm like, I'm not. Look like I ate a ghost pepper. It's like, I'm not sure that's any better. But anyway, so then you take your, then you take your kid back to the table and you say this. I'm sorry. They don't usually act like this. And what you're saying is, the behavior you're seeing is not the real them. It's a pretend version. It's what the word act means, right? To behave. Just because you don't always act like a child of God does not mean you're not a child of God. Does this make sense? So, how many of you have ever um, gotten married and, and ladies, you looked at your husband and one day you're like, I can't believe I said yes. I was not expecting somebody to testify. Her hand, I got women magnifying the Lord all over this place. I'm not sure that that was the desire. It didn't happen that way the first time I did this. So anyway, so, so here's the thing. But it, does, but, 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 time, but it doesn't mean you're not married. Guys, have you ever come in and your wife was mad? I'm talking about like there's very thin difference between her and the devil mad at like, and it's not even at you, but you're like, hey, honey. She's like, what? And you're like, hey, so like, um, never mind. And then you spend the rest of the day hiding from your wife like you're six. I mean, you're a seven foot, 250 pound grown man hiding from a woman in the kitchen because you fear for your life. Oh yeah, ain't no men magnifying the Lord right now. You're like, Pastor, that switch from one to the other is about that far away. I, I don't know what he's talking about, babe. I've never seen you do that. Sorry, God. Hey, I'm doing a great marriage series in February. You need to come. Um, but, but the reality of it is, is this, is um, you didn't stop being married. So you can't change your son or daughtership based on your behavior. And you can't change a covenant because of behavior. So when did you be in a daughter or son of God, other than accepting Jesus, was ever based on your behavior? Now, how many of y'all have ever said that? Hey, we don't do that in this family. Now you understand God. Why do I not do some stuff? Because people in my family don't do that. Sons of God don't act like that. I need to change my behavior. Not because God will stop loving me, but because I want to fit in at the family. I want to be like my dad. Anybody ever, anybody ever walk around in their dad's shoes? I mean, hopefully, you know. So there was a point when, when I went to run out to the mailbox and try to put my dad's shoes on, and they stopped fitting. Because the person you admired, because of their support, you actually outgrew what they were able to do. Here's the reality. As parents, we have to let our faith grow to the point where our identity is so rooted in God that we give our kid an identity built rooted in God and in family. So that God's thumbprint goes on their DNA. So the question is this. It's like, do you ever wonder how God really sees you? I love this. Psalm 17.8 says this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Keep me. Meaning that I am the apple of your eye. Don't let me, don't let me do it. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Here's what it says. God is like, 
like looking at you with such anticipation of what your next move will be. Have you ever know? Have you ever watched your kid from like across a ball field or across a room, and they don't know you're watching, but like they're they're just man, they're just doing that life. Like like they're not even doing things special, but they're just like behaving and they're they're doing what they're supposed to do, and they're and you're like, I'm glad I didn't kill them. <laughs> Makes sense. I think that God watches you from across the room like this. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. You're a good mom. You're a good dad. Look at you praying. Look at you leaning into your faith. Ah, you're not perfect, but that man, you're mine. I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, you're not perfect. But you're perfect for me. I don't need you to be perfect. Liz, if you married a per- perfect person, you need the stomach flu together. You ain't loved till you both had the stomach flu together. I'm not sure what died, but it died in both of you. Because there's no perfect people. God said this, He said, I'm not asking for your identity to be built around you being perfect, around you sinning or not sinning, because as a byproduct of knowing that you're in the family, your behavior will change. What most churches are involved in is behavior modification. It doesn't work. I had a sister who smoked for a long time. I'm like, hey, do you think you're addicted to this? She's like, no, I quit 20 times. <laughs> How many times did you say, God, this is the last time I'm? Behavior modification doesn't work. You can't run from something. You have to run to something. So we're saying that, hey, if you run into your identity as, hey, God created me. God loves me. I'm the apple of His eye. God doesn't want to look at anybody but me. Knowing that, knowing that your father's looking at you sometimes changes your behavior. Anybody got ever in, remember high school? I remember this. I got ready to cuss one time. My mama walked in. I was like, you son of a monkey's uncle, you gosh darn it golly. <laughs> because being around the parent changes the behavior. Why is coming to church important? Because being around the family changes the behavior. Can I talk to the ladies just for a second? If you're really going to have God's thumbprint on your life, it can't your your self-image can't be tied to the number in the back of your clothes. Ouch. Can't can't be tied to how tall or short you are, how big your butt or your boobs are. Stop it. If I'm lying, somebody call me out. Y'all, I walk. Look in the mirror, you do this and this before you leave. You gotta look good coming and going. Woo-hoo! Listen, I praise God. That, but y'all didn't expect that at church today, did you? I blame it on the dew. Um, so here we go. So scripture says this. I love this. It says. I praise you, for I am fearfully and... Man, when was the last time, ladies, you looked in the mirror? I'm talking about right out of the shower, buck naked. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Listen. Now, listen, you should. And go, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because let me tell you, can I tell you the most, comp- the, the most sexy thing a woman can wear is confidence. Confidence. 
men, you be, jump on this train with me, or I'm throwing, I'm pulling your man card on your way out. No, I am straight up, honest to the living God, telling you the truth. The, the sexiest thing a woman can wear is confidence. So you know what? Here's the thing. God made you wonderful. Look, if you want to go on a diet, go on a diet, but the diet doesn't change you. Here's the problem with losing weight. When you lose weight, you're still in the same body. And what you'll do is you'll get a funhouse image of what you look like that will begin to shape your identity. Because if you're not happy at 200 pounds, you ain't going to be happy at 150. Preach, preacher. I will. Because until you can love you... Because here's what it says. It says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Every time you insult you, you are telling God that He did not know what He was doing when He made you, made you and that He made a mistake. You actually, by criticizing yourself, stand in contempt of the living God. Boom, drop the mic, quit preaching. And don't stand. You are wonderfully made because God's works are wonderful. You're perfectly designed to be you. And if you didn't have value, God would not have created you. So why can you sit in front of millionaires? Because I'm wonderful. Not, I'm not better than anybody else. But I'm as good as any other child God ever created. I can talk to you if you're a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And I can talk to you if you can't spell peace. And you're no better or worse. This not only causes you to value yourself, but if God made somebody else, didn't He make them fearfully and wonderfully too? So now I have to see you for your value. Does this make any sense? The minute I start seeing other people with value, then I start creating fruit. Because when they don't see it, I call the things of God out in them, and now I'm living a life of purpose on purpose. 1 John 3. One says this. See what kind of love that the Father's given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why this world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Here's the thing. Once you step into your identity, people are going to become critical. The good news is if the people aren't assigning your identity, they can't take it away from you. And Jesus said this. They're like, Jesus knew He was wonderful. Can we just say that like... When you go to a party and you start turning water into wine, you're popular. Don't turn it into Budweiser, they'll kick you out right now. I'm just saying, but water into wine, that was, that was a horrible joke, but it was funny. But God said this, He said, as you begin to walk in the confidence of who and what I've created you to be, you need to understand something. People aren't going to like confident people because it magnifies their inability to see what God put inside of them. Don't be moved by people who don't see what you see in you. If you don't assign my value, you can't take my value away. It gives you the ability to, to push through things. It, lastly, is this. is I love this scripture. Uh, you ever wonder what you were created to do? I mean, this is just free. Like I'm about to light your world on fire. You ready? Here we go. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race. Let's stop. In our culture, we look so much at black and white and black and brown and, and we go through all the colors. You're not, you, God does not see melatonin. I hate to break your, your, your image of God, but He is not lily white. Lily white people don't live in the Middle East. 
We call them lobsters. So your grandparents, lily white Jesus, inaccurate. But you know what I love about the color of Jesus? Is Jesus was, was probably Israeli. Well, he was Israeli, but was probably had that Israeli olive complexion, which means he wasn't white, he's just a little brown. He wasn't black, but he was a little brown. So there's a little bit of Jesus in all the colors. And Jesus said this, he said, he said, you need to understand something that the race that I see is believer and not believer. Who's my children and who's not? The race is a nation that I create. Because I'm not American. I am American, but I ain't going to be here forever. I, I'm living for a kingdom and a land that I haven't been to yet. Scripture says that I'm a foreigner because I belong to the, to the, to the household of the Lord. God has His own nation and we call it heaven. And He's going to take me to it. He said this, He said, but you are a chosen race. He said, man, I picked you out. I adopted you. He said, you're a royal priesthood. Oh, am I now? I love so many people when they're like, hey, hey, call a preacher and have him pray for him. Why didn't you pray for him? I got the biggest compliment I got. I'm a, Casey, I don't even remember who we were talking about. They said, hey, pastor, we forgot to tell you we had surgery, but it's okay. Casey prayed for us. Oh, I do know who it is now because you're laughing. And, and at first I was like, how dare you not call for the preacher? Because I got my Jesus MVP card, like I swipe it, he puts me at the front of the line, he lists, that's not how that works, right? And then it, like, it, it was instantaneous, I was like, well praise God Casey called for you, because she is in the priesthood. She can talk to the Heavenly Father because she's a daughter. And let me tell you something about daughters. Daughters can manipulate their dads like a puppet on a string. All the dads of little girls know what I'm talking about. Hey, you know what? Your God, your Father, your God loves you like that. He's like, baby girl, come get on my lap. Tell me, tell me, what, tell me what we need to talk about. Oh, your sister's having surgery? Oh, I'll take care of her. Because she's adopted. She knows her value. She knows her place. He goes on and she says this, a holy nation. Man, you belong to something that's not of this earth. He goes on and he says this. He says, a people for His own possession. God said, you're mine. Remember when you were dating and you got ready to get married? You're like, girl, you're mine. Don't be going anywhere. Come on now. God looks at you and He's like, hey, son, Hey, daughter, get your identity from me because you're mine. Not based on your performance, but based on your adoption. You're a priest, not because you're perfect. As we walk people through ordination, uh, the first thing they always say is, man, I don't know that I can be a preacher. I got problems. I'm like, good. Because <laughs> if you don't, you ain't going to like hanging out with me very much. Because God isn't looking for, for perfection, not even from pastors. If you hang around me long enough, you will find my humanity. But I tell you what, I'm a son of the Most High God who loves Him with all of my heart and will spend the rest of my life pursuing Him with you if you go on that journey. The only thing special about me is my adoption. He goes on and he says this. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. God said this. He said, you know your purpose is to run around and tell everybody about your daddy. You are supposed to be a name dropper. You ain't trying to get out of a ticket. You're trying to get people out of hell. Does this make sense? To proclaim the excellence of Him who called you out of darkness 
into His marvelous light. Here's the thing. You can only know what you are when you know whose you are. You can only know what you are when you know who you are. So here's the thing. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to build this journey. But you've got to begin to take on your identity as being a son or daughter of God. You've got to quit letting it be on the rise and fall of other people's praise. You've got to stop letting all these other things tell you if you're doing good, bad, right, wrong. Does this make sense? You've got to stop judging yourself. You've got to stop judging. If God ain't judging you, who cares what everybody else thinks? Who cares what you think? Ladies, your homework is you need to look in the mirror every day this week and tell God that He made you wonderful. Husbands, your job is to tell your wife that God made her wonderful. Hello? That was a call and response if you missed Ladies, they'll do much better than the guys. Ladies, your job is to to call out the wonderful things that God put in your spouse. And both of your job is to call out the wonderful things that God put in your children. It's easy to tell your kids what they do wrong. But what you magnify glows. Why do we lift or grows? Why do we lift our hands when we worship the Lord? Because I want God so big in my life. I surrender to Him. I want to magnify Him. I want Him big in my life. So if that's the way we operate to God, why would the down direction look any different? Why would the lateral direction look any different? Man, we're God calls us with His voice to tell us that we're His kids. Man, you've got to create that identity not only in yourself, but in your kids. I love what Pastor Nick said. Uh, last two weeks ago in his message, he said that, that the issues that parents refuse to deal with now will be the devils their kids fight in their lives. So if you've got identity issues, let's work through them because I don't want your kids to. You're not, you're not living and fighting just for your generation. You're living and fighting for the next generation. Does this make sense? So as we come to close, I just with every head down, I close. Man, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. But we do want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus this morning. If you're here and you're like, you know what, Pastor, I can't be a son or a daughter because, man, I'm far away from God. Again, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. We do want to pray with you. Matter of fact, we're all going to pray together in just a couple of seconds. But if that's you, will you just slip your hand up? We're just all going to pray together. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Can we just pray across this place? Across our online campus? Dear Heavenly Father, Right now, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Father, I thank you for adopting me into your family. I will live as a son or daughter because you saved me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give, your, give these folks a round of applause. Um, if you're one of the folks in-house that gave your life to Jesus. Um, Here's what we think. Uh, If you've ever been whitewater rafting, um, it's impossible to get down the river by yourself. One person in a boat drowns, right? Like they end up swimming, not... We believe this, that that in a boat, there's there's a guide. We've got some folks that are willing to guide you in your faith journey. Willing to help you get from point A to point B. And here's the great thing about being in a whitewater boat with people. Uh, where the boat where, where the boat goes, the boat goes. Where the people in the boat go, they have to go together. Uh, we go places together because we're one family. 
If one person's got to pee, we all got to pee. Hey, if you're struggling with your identity, we're all struggling with our identity. Let's lean into it. So if you need to be partnered with somebody to help you on your faith journey, find anybody with one of these tags on their, their neck. Or you can email us if you're online or in-house and more comfortable with it. Amen at ThriveChurchOnline.com. Again, amen at ThriveChurchOnline.com. And what we want to do is we just want to partner you with somebody. We can do it over the phone. We can do it by Zoom. Or we can do it in person. If we do it in person, we'll actually buy your coffee every time we meet. Why do we take up tithe and offering? Because we've got to buy some people some coffee. If it gets them closer to Jesus, I'll buy you coffee every day. Can I get a witness? Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.